leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like him. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay. If you missed last week's episode, Scott Levine and I started to break down our top 30 players in the NBA. We went through players 1 through 15, so if you haven't gotten a chance to check that out, I urge you to do so. But without further ado, here is part two of that discussion. Let's move on to number 16 now. And at my number 16, I have uh, a guy that I know you like quite a bit, Drew Holiday. I also have him at number 16. Okay. So, as, as, as evident, there's evidence to that. Um, where, where is there to start about Drew? You know, he, he took the hardest wing assignment for most of the last two years on defense. Was kind of the perimeter fulcrum of the offense. Maybe not a guy who you think of as like a as a one A you know alpha creator type, but somebody who could absolutely you know be that one B type if he shares the load with somebody like Anthony Davis, and a guy who can kind of just work any sort of lineup around. You know, uh, I think Lonzo will have by far his best season playing alongside Drew. Uh, we saw that with Rondo. Alfred Payton looked great alongside him. When you have a guy who can like be a shooting guard defensively and a point guard offensively. I mean, who can't you play around that guy? Yeah, and, you know, the thing to me, and I would have him even higher up the list if he was a little bit better as a three-point shooter. I think that's really the only flaw in his game uh, because, you know, as you said, he's a guy that is versatile in terms of his position. He can, he can guard multiple guys, uh, and, and he's great on, on the defensive end of the floor. And offensively, he's a great passer. He can create his own shot. Uh, and, and he can he can score in all three zones. If his three point percentage was more in the mid thirties, I think he would be, uh, as as David Griffin suggested, he could be this upcoming season more in that uh, you know all NBA territory. It was really encouraging a couple seasons ago when he shot around like thirty six percent off the dribble from three. 
Um, and he hasn't quite done it at that volume since. Um, since then, they traded for Boogie. They, uh, you know, had Rondo. Uh, there was a lot of things that kind of muddied up his ability to run, like, a proper pick and roll a lot of the time. He became kind of a mid-range scorer instead because generally uh, mid-range, that jumper is going to be always there no matter, you know, who is around you. We saw Chris Middleton go to it a lot uh, in the pre-Buddenholzer Milwaukee Bucks against the Celtics. Like, it's very hard to take that away. Teams aren't scheming to take that away um, in order to run, like, a pick-and-roll where you're either getting to the rim or taking an off-the-dribble three. You kind of have to have shooters around you in order to have that be a you know stable environment um so because rondo and others were kind of cramping the floor for him a little bit he often wasn't able to get fully to the rim and you know they weren't able to they were kind of able to trap the pick and roll better whereas if he could get downhill into that mid-range shot he was money um, and that's kind of what he became accustomed to doing now i think that the team will be a little bit better around him obviously some of the shooting concerns are still there but it'll be interesting to see if he sticks to that or evolves this game a little yeah, and being, you know, again, as David Griffin said, that the clear number one guy, maybe that'll free up Drew Holiday to be a little bit more aggressive and, and that much more assertive on the offensive end. He's always been that way defensively. But, yeah, I really like him. I think uh, he's a guy that has a really high floor, and uh, who knows, maybe maybe there's a little bit more to his game than we've even uh, been able to realize just because of uh, his limited role in, in past seasons. But, uh, yeah, moving on now to uh, to number 17, who do you have in that spot? So this is where it gets really interesting because I have no idea how this 17 through 30 is going to shake out for you. I know you have Blake Griffin 20th. Um, I have an idea of, you know, the general names that I'm going to see on your list, uh, but I really have no idea how it's going to shake out. So I'll, I guess I'll just start that process and say that my number 17 is Kyle Lowry. Okay, so uh, we are in agreement yet again. Uh, <laughs> I really thought that that was a little different. Um, I, I have another guy in the next couple of slots that I know you're not a fan of, so uh, um, and you might, it, you might know who I'm it. talking about. But. Okay, I guess I'll find out later. But, uh, but yeah, so Kyle Lowry, obviously, um, I love him. I love him for a lot of the same reasons I, I, I like uh, you know Drew Holiday, a, a really good defender. Uh, is strong enough that he, uh, you know, has shown that he can defend multiple positions, uh, and and offensively, the, they're they're very similar players, Holiday and, and and Lowry. They both can pass it. They both can create their own shot. They're both good defensively, uh, and uh, Lowry, with that run to uh, to an NBA championship last year, proved that he could be a role player on a title team. Yeah, I think where Lowry kind of excels is you talked about Drew not always having the most consistent three point shot. I, I do think that Kyle Lowry is one of the better shooters in the NBA, um, whether or not he believes it. <laughs> it really <laughs> yeah. seems like he doesn't sometimes um, and is more willing to like uh, get that shot for a teammate who is a lot worse at shooting than him. Um, that being said, he does a lot of times those are the correct reads, and he does make some really nice heads-up passes. Uh, I think he's actually doesn't get enough credit for how much he's able to be kind of a chameleon on the court, we saw him running a lot of the offense during the Raptors' regular season with, like, Kawhi Isos as being kind of a side thing, which is why Kawhi did I, I don't even know if he was on, like, All-NBA second team. Maybe he was on the second team uh, or third team or something like that. He definitely wasn't on the first team. Um, but then when it became time for Kawhi to take over in the playoffs, Lowry kind of played this dual uh, 
off-ball, but, like, pinch-of-creation role. And I talked about him a lot when I wrote about, like, Tobias Harris earlier. When Tobias adjusted to, like, that similar quandary in Philly, he was kind of slow when it came to, like, getting the ball, making a quick read, and finding the open teammate or basket. Um, And it definitely gave me an appreciation for how when Kawhi was like, all right, I'm going to be dribbling the ball now a lot more. And basically Lowry was just like, oh, okay. And he just played that pseudo off-ball role to perfection. Yeah, and as you said, even in a, uh, a more limited role in terms of usage, he still can find ways to make an impact. You know, with his, I think he did a really good job in transition with his outlet passes and, and uh, you know, finding uh, streaking Siakam for some easy buckets in crucial situations. Uh, and and he, he had a couple of plays in that Philly series where he snuck a basket before the, the, uh, the Sixers defense was fully set. Uh, yeah, he, he did an excellent job, and... Um, you know, people for years have been, you know, complaining about the fact that he, he stopped shooting and, uh, you know, he, he, he started relying more on, on his passing skills and everything. But it really uh, was, was a perfect way for him to get prepared for, for having Kawhi on his team. Yeah, in a way, I think just, I think a lot of the playoff concerns for him in the past came from, like, when DeRozan was neutralized uh, on those Raptors teams, all of a sudden, Lowry had to be like the clear primary option and I just don't think that's the best role for him if it was he'd be a lot higher on this list but once you put him in a role where he doesn't have to score for the team to win but he can still do all the things he's good at um, well, clearly you have a championship recipe yeah and uh, I think Kyle Lowry is going to lead the Raptors to a, a very surprising season Vegas was uh, uh, in in my eyes extremely uh, low on their projection for the Raptors at 46 oh, wins Forty-six. Yes, I think they're going to yeah. be well above that, uh, and uh, I'd say around fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I still really like Kyle Lowry. I think he can be the number one guy on a really good regular season team. Now, obviously, the the postseason uh, run will be limited this year without Kawhi, but uh, I still think they can they can put a nice season together. Moving on now to to my number eighteen on my list, and uh, I'm I'm again fairly confident this is not going to be uh, the same on yours. I've got Lamarcus Aldridge in at uh, at number. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I, I just want to say LaMarcus Aldridge is a fantastic basketball player. Um, <laughs> now tell me, where do you have him? 40, 50, number 65? Top 30, not necessarily, but as I was leaving him off, I was like, gosh, I really am messing this up because Garrett um, is probably right about him again. I thought I learned my lesson, but I just see him and... DeRozan is kind of top 30 adjacent, and it's very hard for me, especially with, like, Derek White, um, you know, DeJounte Murray coming back. It's very hard for me to be like, oh, that guy is going to have, like, a top 30-level impact on the Spurs right now, whereas you can really make the case for him over a lot of the guys near the end of my list. Yeah, I mean, when you're mentioning Aldridge and and DeRozan in the same sentence as like a a co-number one, I don't really see it that way. I see Aldridge as as the definite number one guy on San Antonio. And and yet again, he he was the number one guy on a team that got into the the mid to high 40s and wins and and made the playoffs. He averaged uh, 21.3 points per game, 9.2 rebounds, 57.6 true shooting on nearly 27% usage. So he's been this uh, incredibly consistent offensive player throughout his career. And, you know, I think he's a a pretty solid defender as well. You know, in in his time in San Antonio, he's been on teams that have been, 
you know, top five in the league on defense, and he's been, uh, you know, a key piece on, on the team last year that I think finished sixth in offensive rating. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. I need to put him at number 30. He's <laughs> on my top 30. I just, I, I just erased my number 30 and typed in Aldridge. I can't do this two years in a row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the, uh, the the concern would be for him is at some point, you know, he's 34 now. Um, you know, yeah, he'll you, be good. He'll be top 30. Yeah, you'd think at some point you might see <laughs> some some regression, but uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect it this year. I uh, I think he's a, an excellent player, and yeah, he he uh, if you remember, he really got off to a horrid start at the the first month or two of the season last year, but then uh, lit it up the rest of the year. Yeah, and it definitely looking back on it, saying that he and DeRozan are like co-stars at the same level, kind of dumb. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was kind of dumb. Well, I mean, uh, DeRozan just with his points per game and uh, his reputation, I think a lot of people would would say a similar thing. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely not as high as DeRozan, and DeRozan is not going to be on my top thirty. I don't know about you. Well, why don't you think that like people don't talk about Aldridge more? Is it just the Spurs thing? Because you seem to consistently consider him a top twenty player, and that's like that's a huge honor. So, yeah, I mean, are, I, I are think... You, are you ever, like, befuddled by this? I, I, and I see you, like, talking about basketball on Twitter, and you still, like... It just doesn't come across, even for you, that often. Like, what, what, what is it? Is it really just all the Spurs thing? I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is he's just not flashy. You know, yeah. he's... Uh, in, uh, you know, he, he just has that turnaround jumper, which is not going to be on, uh, you know, the Sports Center top ten plays. Uh, but, uh, you know, he just consistently produces. And, you know, again, being... Uh, I, I said this about Tim Duncan in his last few good seasons uh, towards the end of his career. Like, I still thought of him as about a top 15, 20 player, even though most people I don't think agreed with that because just being like a B-plus player on offense and defense puts you pretty high up there on the list. Yeah, I would probably have put Duncan like that till the end of his career. Maybe the last season... A little bit of a head scratcher, but overall, yeah, uh, very close. And yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Aldridge. I'm gonna watch more Aldridge this year, and I, I might just fall asleep <laughs> a couple of games. In. <laughs> but for you, I'm gonna make more of an effort because you really seem committed to this guy, and he's someone I kind of take for granted, and maybe I should. Well, I, I appreciate that you're gonna give him a shot, and. Uh... Um, yeah, it'll be uh, the Spurs will be a team that uh, I don't know will be super fun to watch, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to be in the mix. They're in the mix every year, and uh, uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But yeah, so I had Aldridge at eighteen. Who do you have in that slot? I have someone who's a little bit more exciting to watch, um, especially for me this season, and that is uh, Kemba Walker. Okay, so we have a big difference in uh, where we rank Kemba Walker. So I'm curious to well, see why you have him this high. Um, well, it comes back to me just like, maybe I overrate these kinds of guys who can just kind of lead a good offense, but I think that's exactly what Kemba will do next year. Celtics, not a contender anymore. I've erased that from my expectations, but I think they'll be close to 50 wins, right? I mean, you look at Tatum, Hayward bounce back year. Yeah, I, I like them to hit 50 at least. Yeah, yeah. so I think their offensive engine for a large part will be just the 
threat that Kemba Walker puts on defenses um, between the off the dribble three, not quite the best rim finisher, although an incredible floater, um, scorer, um, you know, decent passer. It's like he was kind of keeping this Hornets team afloat like for like three, four more years than it should have been. Like they should have started this whole rebuild a while ago, in my opinion, but he was kind of keeping them on life support. Now, you can say that maybe he's overrated because, uh, of course, he's going to look really good when he has to prop a team up, kind of the James Harden effect, where it's like, does that work quite as well on a team that's actually gunning for a championship? Um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see. But everything I like, everything that he does, I usually look for in like those types of players. So it's hard for me to put him below like 20, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the, the offensive production is certainly impressive. Uh, I mean, I think his, his true shooting was around league average, but doing it on, on such a crazy usage that he that he did last year and also with the limited uh, talent around him, you know, he, he certainly is a, a well-above-average offensive player. The reason I have him a little bit lower is the defensive concerns, and a lot of it isn't his fault. A lot of it's just uh, similar to when Isaiah Thomas was, was great with Boston is just the lack of size makes you a, a constant target, and I think in the postseason that's going to be an issue. Uh, but but certainly the offensive, everything you said about his offensive game is fair, and I think he's going to to you know be the be the best player or arguably the best player on the uh, the Boston Celtics this season uh, and a team that can win fifty. Yeah, I would say best player, um, and by a pretty good margin. I didn't really consider anybody else in the Celtics for my top 30. Maybe you could say, like, this is the year that Tatum joins that. Yeah, my, my only my only hesitation is, yeah, if, if either Tatum or Brown were to take a huge leap, maybe they could get into the discussion. But, yeah, in, presumably in, in it'll Brown's be Kemba. Case, in Brown's case, very huge leap, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, and then I think it would just be a little rash for me to put Hayward on this list, considering he might not have been, like, a, a top 100 player last season. Um, yeah, right. And, and obviously Horford's gone, so yeah, uh, Kemba eighteen feels fine to me. Maybe it's a little high because of, I've forgotten that he is a little bit of a defensive liability, but he's never gotten to the point, you know, past the first round where it's like that's a concern. So maybe it, it's kind of like Jokic, where like we didn't really think about how he might be bad against perimeter guys until he gets to the playoffs maybe we'll like see like once we see it with Kemba we'll get a little bit more queasy um but I haven't really yet so he doesn't seem like a Trey Young type to me he almost seems more like a Kyrie type where it's like he has to be the worst defender but you can field a a decent defense with him on the court yeah I mean we'll we'll hopefully get a pretty good look at that uh, in in the Celtics making a run in the postseason that'll be uh, that'll be really interesting um so so yeah you had him at 18 correct yeah, so uh, we'll move on to to my number 19 now, and again, this is the third time we've done this, and this is probably the third time I've ranked him maybe a little bit too high, but Victor Oladipo is my number 19, and uh, even I, though he's going to miss, uh, and maybe I should put him a little bit lower just because he is projected to miss half the season, uh, but uh, I, I still really like him, and if he can come back and be uh, a similar player to what he was even last year, uh, I think he deserves a place in the top 20. I mean, I had him at 20, so you're not okay. too far off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, his his two-way play, uh, you know, again, I think that's that's another thing why maybe I have Kemba a little bit lower. I think a lot of these guys in, in this range for me between, 
you know, 18 to, to 24, I still like and appreciate those two-way talents, and, and uh, Victor Oladipo is certainly one of those. It matters a little less for me when it's like a primary initiator, just because I feel like they have more than enough opportunity to uh, make back their defensive flaws uh, that probably don't even matter. I mean, not say they don't matter, but aren't as important if you can put them in an, in an environment where they're the worst player. But that being said, that has to be considered as a, a, a minus if you have to, uh, you know, put them in that environment. I always, it, it's kind of one of my pet peeves where it's like, oh, um, I like this guy. He's better than this guy, player X, let's say. Um, and I'm like, well, can you build a team around him where he's like the best team player on the team? He's like, yeah, if you have a stretch five, great movement shooters, <laughs> a playmaking four. It's like, well, then that's just... That's on him for being not as versatile as someone like, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's, someone like James Harden who can be the beacon of an offense in whatever system. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so it's like having to be accounted for or incubated is a flaw in the same way versatility is a strength. So I can definitely see that argument for Kemba. I just think that it's a pretty easily overcomable one because um, he allows you to put players who are good defenders next to him because he can take up a lot of the load on offense and you don't necessarily need that offense out of his teammates. So rounding out our top 20 again, I had Blake Griffin and you had uh, Oladipo. So yeah, I had Gobert 19, by the way. Oh, right. Okay, we skipped right over that. But yeah, we, we but, did. But, but we already talked about him. Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll move on now to, to 21 and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, again, the, the Kemba discussion because I have a couple of point guards ahead of him that I'm interested to hear your thoughts about. Uh, but uh, at, at 20... That's really weird. I'm looking at... You, you, you just sent me your list, in fact, and I see Jeff Teague is ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's joking to anyone listening. I did not send him my list. But, <laughs> but, uh, I threw you for a loop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at, at number 21, I had uh, Al Horford. And, nice, uh, nice. He's, uh, he's a guy, again... Similar to why I really like uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, even though Horford, I have him a little bit lower just because I don't think he's quite as good as just a guy that you can throw the ball to. But being a B-plus player on you know both ends of the floor is so valuable, and the fact that really Horford has no weaknesses makes him such a, such a great commodity. If this was last season, I would put him higher, honestly. Uh, I just, I'm wondering how much of like that Al Horford stuff and maybe this is a dumb take, um, <laughs> because I think he'll still be really excellent and able to, uh, you know, adjust to the Philly offense and defense. But it's like, how many of his positive traits will be extracted in that offense? Yeah, um, the, you know, just with with Embiid and uh, and Simmons, yeah, the lack of spacing is going to be a concern. And I think that was a that was a strategy that Milwaukee used in that series, essentially saying like. You know, we're going to leave Horford open, and he can take 23s if he wants, and we're pretty confident he won't because, you know, there's just that uh, that feeling that uh, some players get that they're being selfish when really it's just taking the right shot. Yeah, and I think that'll be more of his role. Like, if you look at his teammates, he's going to be the one spacing the floor for them as opposed to the other way around, as was often the case in Boston. You know, you had those... Uh, kind of short roll situations where he was able to make a play off of a Kyrie Irving pick and roll and find the open shooter. Um, oftentimes, 
his teammates will be open, but they won't be shooters. So, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so it'll just make everything a little bit harder for him. I do think it is a testament to his skill level that he will be able to adjust and still be around a top 30 player. I had him 26 for anyone concerned. Um, I do think it's a testament to his skill that he can go to such a different system and still have a similar level of impact than he had to Boston, albeit quite not as potent in my opinion. Um, I just don't expect, you know, I'm taking a little bit away just because I I do think the situation will work a little bit worse in his favor, in my opinion. No, yeah, that's that's totally fair, and obviously, yeah, at his age, he uh, he could uh, experience some some decline in his performance as well. Let's move on now, Scott, to uh, to your number twenty one, Pascal Siakam. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> so uh, nice. we actually we actually have Al Horford and Pascal Siakam flipped on our list. I have Siakam at twenty six. Yeah, and probably I would have Horford ahead of Siakam last year, but man, like. This is the hardest. This was the hardest one for me because this really is a philosophical question. Because if you look at kind of Siakam's game, it is kind of dependent on having Mark Gasol as a stretch five, Ibaka as a stretch five, Lowry as a very good uh, pick and roll facilitator, so that you know Siakam can catch it on the short roll and make the right play. Having all this space around him, he often seems like he uh, bears the fruits that are created by his teammates to an extent. Would you agree? No, yeah, totally. And and the thing that's going to be fascinating is, and again, a reason why I'm pretty optimistic about the Raptors as a team is, you know, you look at just a couple of years ago prior to them trading for Kawhi, you know, DeMar DeRozan was the, the primary scorer. Uh, and Siakam, I would assume, is going to take that role, and I think he's going to be able to do it much more efficiently but it is still a question mark. We haven't seen Siakam with a usage rate above 25 into even potentially a 30% usage range. Uh, and, uh, you know, will that true shooting that was so impressive in the regular season last year, he shot 63% true shooting, will that drop a little bit as the usage increases? And you can say Siakam's more efficient uh, than DeRozan to use that as a plus. I do think that there's merit to how DeRozan went about getting his shots, right? Because I think it's easier for DeRozan to get to his mid-ranger than it is for Siakam to get to like his spin-move floater type thing. Um, a lot has to go his way. That being said, the reason I have him 21st is because I think the Raptors have made the proper environment to utilize him. I think you can argue that in the average NBA team, he wouldn't be in the top 30, but this team is just so geared towards his strengths and weaknesses, in my opinion, that I see him having, even if it's not fully accredited to him all the time, he's going to really thrive in that role, and you can't take that away from him. It's similar to how I you know, really am high on Draymond as an offensive player. Yes, he's only able to do those things because he has the proper personnel around him. However, you have to give him credit for really executing that role in a way that a lot of other players can't. Yeah, and that's where it's going to be fascinating with the Warriors and why maybe I'm a little bit lower on them than you are is when Draymond catches those four-on-threes that Steph generates for him and he kicks it out to a corner three, it's Alec Burks, Alfonso McKinney, (laughs) you know, those types of players taking the threes. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see, but, but yeah, I love your, I love your thoughts on, uh, all your points on Siakam and we haven't even really gotten into his defense. He's a monster on that end. Yeah. And I think that's what really cements him in this spot for me. Um, and it's kind of interesting because he officially becomes the highest rated player from the 2016 draft. Fun fact for me, 
um, albeit by a little bit. But that um, is because he might be he might. It's either him or he or Simmons that has the highest defensive upside out of all those guys, and they're very similar defenders. You know, kind of can go anywhere from a wing to like a small ball five in some instances. Um, really, not so much with Simmons, but he has that element of like weak side defense to his game. So they're both kind of in that area. Maybe Siakam a little bit better in terms of uh, you know matching up one on one with a wider variety of players working at the point of attack, but uh, very similar. Very similar. Yeah, and, and Siakam I would give the edge to in, in rim protection as well. He's got longer arms, so yeah. But but yeah, Simmons was was excellent defensively, especially in the playoffs last year. So uh, moving on now to number twenty-two, and this is the first of my two point guards that I have ahead of Kemba, and that is uh, Chris Paul. Oh no! Yeah, I, I didn't have him on my list at all, and I probably should have. Yeah. So the 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 interesting thing about CP three is you know when we did this. When we did this last year, I had him all the way up at number six, and I think maybe you did as well. I also had him number six. So we both love Chris Paul, and uh, you know he obviously had a down year last year. I think when we updated it a few months into the season, I had him down at like number fifteen. Um, so he's been steadily dropping on my list, but the guy is still, I think, really good and capable of having a bounce back year. Uh, I think, uh, you know, being the the primary initiator on that Thunder offense, I think is going to do him a lot of good. Uh, and and there, was a, there was an interesting stat I saw as well uh, that um, Chris Paul still last season without Harden on the floor, so when he was the main creator, per 36 minutes he averaged 22.5 points per game, 12.5 assists on 58% true shooting. So I still think the guy has plenty of game left. And uh, I, I still think he can help uh, the Thunder. Uh, the Thunder are another team that I think are going to be a lot better than most people project. And I think Chris Paul is going to be one of the main reasons for that. I am going to write him into my number 24, Paul, uh, uh, the second annual Paul Millsap write-in. Uh, because you're right, I put Paul Millsap in at 24 mid-podcast. Yes. You just talked me into realizing I was dumb to not put him on this list. <laughs> because I had Westbrook near the bottom and I was like, my, my very uh, kind of primitive brain, in some ways, um, said, well, if the Rockets had to give up all the picks for Westbrook, uh, and he was traded for Paul, then how could, how could Paul possibly be better than Westbrook? But no, I think he could be. No, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in that fact, and, and I'm a little bit lower on the Rockets, not only for the playoffs, but in the regular season as well, because I just don't think, and, and you expressed issues potentially about the fit with Harden and Westbrook. I think uh, despite the fact that maybe personality-wise, CP3 and Harden uh, didn't uh, uh, get along that well, I think the basketball fit was pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be... Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I hope, uh, you know, because I love watching Chris Paul play, I hope he has a bounce-back season and has one or two good years left in him. Um, and uh, certainly I think the Thunder would hope for that as well. I hope you're okay with this. the fact that now Aldridge, because I wrote in Chris Paul, it means that Aldridge is 31st. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, when we do this next year, you'll have to, uh, you'll have to bump Aldridge a few spots higher than, than you would normally do it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah so I have to. otherwise I won't be invited back on <laughs> right uh, but uh, all right so I had CP three at twenty two who do you have at that spot I have Ben Simmons okay so uh, you are quite a bit higher on Ben Simmons than I am I do have him in my top thirty so 
here's where I struggled with Ben Simmons, Garrett, right? I was like, hey, this guy's really good. He's a very good defender. He's a very good rebounder for his size, very good playmaker. It seems like he can't do one thing, um, and that is shoot the basketball. Uh, right. Now, 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 I watched this video the other day. <laughs> And he was, like, pulling up from 25 like nothing. So if I see one more of those, I might move him up to top seven. And did the but did the like, form look good to you? Um, I thought it left much to be desired. No one intended. <laughs> um, but, also, no, joking aside, uh, I, I think this is probably, like, the highest I can re- reasonably put him until he kind of shoots a little bit um, for next season. I think just... We saw how good he actually is <laughs> in the Raptors series when, for sometimes, um, they would incorporate just like running Simmons transition attacks, and that's just like their main mode of offense for a quarter. And it's like, damn, Simmons is doing this against the soon to be championship team. So that has to, you know, the idea that he's a neutral offensive player, um, and maybe that straw manning is so far from the truth. Like, he does so many good things, it's just a matter of him getting downhill. You know, he doesn't get downhill a lot, but that's beside the point. And just like I think he's already become an all-NBA caliber defensive player alongside. Like, like he's – he's. I just spent, like, kind of 30 seconds babbling about whether he was a better defender than Siakam, who I think is one of the best defenders in the league. So hard for me to put him too much lower. I think uh, he's going to prove me right this season, but we'll see. Well, and yeah, it all seems to be just a matter of like, you know, the, the personnel around him. He obviously, with his shooting limitations, needs to have uh, certain personnel. I think it's fascinating to think about him in, in, in like the Draymond Green role, if he was just slotted in offensively on the Warriors, and how good he could be at just setting screens, catching four on threes, driving to the rim, finishing or kicking it out. I think he'd be excellent at that, but the problem is in Philadelphia with, with Embiid there, uh, and he's more of just a, a post-up option. Horford uh, as well. They just uh, don't have a system where he can catch in, in space and, and make plays. Uh, but, but yeah, the defense is great. Um, I, I just think the, the offensive limitations, despite the fact that he's a good passer, good ball handler, uh, they, they just limit him for me. And, and I'll, I'll just say it, I have, him at number, uh, I have him at number 28 on my list. That's not too far down. I mean, at least he made your top 30. Right. Um, yeah, so clearly still a very good player. It's not like either either of us are like super low on him or anything. Um, there's probably people who would put him higher for next season, though. And yeah, I think we said it all. Um, it's really tough because he's not a really good floor racer for your offense. Like there's times where he actively hurt the Sixers um, just by having to stand in the dunker spot. But he can do things to an offense that only like a handful of guys can. So it's like a real feast or famine situation, depending on what he's whether he's on ball or off ball, um, and even it has to be a certain type of on ball. It can't just be half court on ball. So it's really hard to like rate his offensive game when you have uh, this such potential for him taking over in some ways or just submarining your offense in other ways. Yeah, and I try my best to evaluate these players regardless of the situation they're in, but that is just so hard to do. You, you, you really can't, and that's why I, that's what I came to the conclusion of with Siakam. Like, is like all things equal? Is he a top twenty one? Is he a top twenty one player? You know, probably not. But he has been put in the system to absolutely thrive, um, and so maybe that bumps him up a little bit in my book. 
you know, maybe could, could, could a player who, you know, so obviously like Rondé Hollis Jefferson is not even close to Siakam, but like could a slightly better Rondé Hollis Jefferson do a lot of the things that Siakam can do, you know, to an extent. Um, but like I said, even if it's all situational, you, you eventually have to reward the player for thriving in the role that even if he was kind of expected to. Well, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson might get uh, the opportunity to, to be in the exact role Siakam is because he's a backup four for the Toronto Raptors. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a great signing, by the way, because it's like it's like what Siakam used to be, right? Where it's like you have so much shooting and playmaking where you can incorporate this guy you can't shoot, and you can reap the rewards of his defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, uh, the the Raptors, like I said, I'm I'm pretty high on it. It'll be fun to watch them and. And uh, yeah, so so moving on now. Uh, again, you had Simmons at twenty-two. Moving on to number twenty-three. This is my other point guard I had ahead of uh, of Kemba Walker, and that is Mike Conley. I also had Mike Conley at twenty-three. Okay, perfect. So uh, yeah, I mean, just to uh, mention some of the the numbers for him last season: twenty-one point one points per game, six point four assists, fifty-six point nine true shooting on twenty-seven point three usage. So a guy that, uh, you know, throughout his career has continued to get better on the offensive end of the floor. He's gotten a lot more comfortable taking those off-the-dribble threes now. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he's always been a, a solid defender, and that continues. It's kind of interesting that both of us have two Jazz players ahead of Donovan Mitchell. Yes, um, but after the uh, the postseason that Donovan Mitchell had, I, I don't think that's a, a crazy surprise to the average, or I guess to the average fan maybe, but to the hardcore fans maybe not. Yeah, I think this kind of goes to show what we kind of value in players. We like the guys who can, you know, fit into almost any system, who can make the players around them a lot better. Um, you look at Conley; he allows uh, Donovan Mitchell um, to, you know, maybe have some struggles as the on-ball creator uh, because he can take a lot of that load, but he can all, he's also a guy who's excellent at playing off-ball, and he doesn't really compromise the defense. In fact, he adds a lot to it. So a great piece that you can kind of put like a talented but flawed player like Mitchell next to. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't even have Mitchell in my top 30. Um, I didn't either. Looking at his uh, his playoff performance again, it was just in that first round series against the Rockets in five games. He uh, he shot thirty two point one percent from the field, twenty five point six percent from three, and just to fully so that you can get a full grasp of that, he essentially made seven of twenty two shots per game. Uh, he was uh, he was really awful in that series and. And, uh, you know, for all the talk about Gobert and, and the Jazz defense struggling to stop the Rockets, I think uh, they, they could easily have uh, been much more competitive in that series if Mitchell just played up to his capabilities. Yeah, and he really didn't turn it on until, like, halfway through last season. So you have to figure that maybe he's a guy who just, like, is kind of dependent on that shot falling to kind of jumpstart his offensive game, and that doesn't always happen. It's yeah. Uh, I don't have him that far outside the top thirty. I don't think. Like probably, if we made a top forty list, he'd. There's like a good chance he would be on it. I just you know I I think, like you said, Conley and Gobert are better. Yep, and uh, I'm 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 fairly 
I'm fairly confident that the Jazz are going to be an excellent basketball team in large part because Mitchell can take a little bit of a step back and not have to have so much on his shoulders like he's had in his first couple of years in the NBA. Moving on now to number 24, who do you have in that slot? Uh, this is where I wrote in CP3. Okay, right. So uh, so I'll, I'll mention mine now, and that is uh, Bradley Beal. All right, I had a, I'm a couple spots lower. Um, I, I think that he definitely deserves to be here or even higher. It's just a matter of how much being on a very bad team do you think will affect his overall play. Well, it didn't last year. (laughs) That's very true. I think they might even be worse, though, Garrett. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) Although they did get Davis Bertans, even though he might be their their second best player. Uh, But uh, Bradley Beal last season averaged 25.6 points per game, five rebounds, five and a half assists, 58.1 true shooting on uh, 28.4 usage. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is interesting to think about, as you said, is is this guy just putting up these monster stats because he's on a bad team, or could that actually somewhat translate if he, if he was on a roster with a little more oh, talent? I think he, I think he is just the perfect second option on a contender. Yeah, I mean okay. that was. Uh, I guess I don't know if I would have called them like full-on contenders, but they were more pseudo-contenders you know, a few years back when John yeah, Wall was and, actually and healthy, and he, he, he fit that role pretty well. And, and let's just say that was more of like a John Wall not being quite like a, a, a primary creator on a good team, in my opinion, than it was Bradley Beal being a lacking second option. Maybe it was also the depth. I think Bradley Beal is generally the, it's, it's the least Bradley Beal's fault, this whole Wizards thing. Both in the past and in the present. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I've been really impressed with his ability as a playmaker. He's really improved his passing, uh, you know, and, and started to recognize when defenses are, are paying him a little bit too much attention and, and finding other guys. Uh, and, and, obviously, his scoring and his three-point shooting is excellent. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my number 25, we talked about him already. Well, uh, one more thing about Beal, I just oh, want yeah. to say. It's just, it's just like it's kind of funny because part of me when making this list, I had him at 26 because I just did. I, I just expected kind of a lackluster season. Just like I just feel like it's very hard to reach a certain level of being good if you have the, such bad teammates. I guess it has nothing to do with him. It's just mostly that situation. Um, <laughs> you know, you're just not going to have as many open openings to like create for others and yourself. But part of me was like, man, if Bradley Beal gets traded to like a team with a player who's better than him he's easily top 20 like if he goes to the nets he's 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 top 20 right he's pelicans around top 20 so i just wanted to put that addendum no yeah absolutely and you know i had i had uh victor oladipo 19 you had him 20 wouldn't shock me especially given oladipo is going to miss a good chunk of the season if beal was better than him next year uh, but uh, but yeah, Beal certainly a, an incredibly talented player uh, in in, a, in an unfortunate situation. But uh, <laughs> moving on to number twenty five, I had uh, this is where I had Kemba Walker. So again, uh, going back to the the couple of point guards I had above him uh, included uh, you know Chris Paul and Mike Conley, and and the reason for that is I I, I feel like those guys also can can be a primary initiator. Uh, and and maybe not quite as good as Kemba, but the the added defense that they provide has them just a bit, a little bit above him. All right, I have a little bit of a bombshell for twenty five, although I think it's it's founded. It just might be not what you expect. Okay, let's hear it. 
Zion Williamson. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love it. I um, this was probably dumb of me, but I wasn't even really considering him. Uh, but <laughs> that's okay. But yeah, I could totally see it. I mean, we, 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 what is there to say, right? You, you don't really know. It's really hard to project exactly how he's gonna fit into the NBA. We know it's gonna be good. We just don't know how good because never really seen anything like him. But not only is he so talented, he's on a team that can kind of, you know, exacerbate his strengths. You have Drew as a very good stabilizer of that offense where he can, like, run pick and rolls with him. You have a lot of guys who like to run in Lonzo Ball. Um, uh, you know, you have a stabilizing rim protector in Derek Favors. Uh, it stinks that Darius Miller got hurt. Etwan Moore is a really solid player who I think I haven't heard one person say the name Etwan Moore this offseason, but, like, <laughs> I'd say he's pretty good, you know? Like, he's... he's I, I, have you thought about Etwan Moore much this offseason? I haven't, but he's still good, you know? Actually, last uh, on my last episode, Jerry brought him up and was wondering if he was hurt, and neither of us had an answer for that. But uh, the... Uh, the um the the other thing I mentioned when he brought him up was that he's about the third or fourth shooting guard on the roster. They're just loaded at that position. Yeah, but he's the best one. <laughs> Over and JJ. Oh, right, they have JJ Redick. Wow, that was not a good take by me. Um, so they can play more at the small forward. They've gotten away with that in the regular season. It feels a decent roster. Um, that's a good starting five right there. Not so much for the bench, but yeah, basically all Zion needs is like a team to kind of just do his, what he's good at, and I think he'll have that. So I think he'll uh, you know, start baseline top 25. I love that pick, and I, I uh, totally could see that happening. I, I'm not going to go in yet just because, yeah, I, I don't love the fit from an offensive perspective because outside of uh, J.J. Redick, that team you know has a, has a lack of shooting. And really, again, we just talked about not sleeping on Etwan Moore. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they have Josh Hart too. You know, I think uh, you uh, know at at the shooting guard position they've got shooting, but at every fine, other position, yeah. not so much. You don't uh, think this is the year uh, Brandon Ingram becomes uh, Kevin Durant light? I mean, <laughs> if he takes a if he takes a three point jump like T.J. Warren did last year, I mean that's going to spell. Uh, you know, a, a pretty successful season for the New Orleans Pelicans, but yeah, I don't... Maybe, maybe we see him on, on on this list next year, but I don't think either of us thinks that's going to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, the uh, the lack of spacing, I think Zion offensively is it would be much better if he had the floor spread and he could rumble down the lane. I think he would be really uh-huh. tough to deal with, but... Uh, but uh, but yeah, without the spacing, I, I don't know as far as on the offensive end if he's going to have crazy you know numbers or crazy productivity. But I expect him to be a really solid defender right out of the gates. I like that term for Zion rumbling down the lane. Like, yes. that, that is just it, and you said you were unsure how your you know four inch writing upcoming would, would 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 go, but you just said rumble into the lane. I think you're fine. I think you're going to be fine. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to uh, whenever I start writing an article, I'll have to just like say it uh, in audio form first, and <laughs> that might help me out. But and just use that every time. So like, if it's like um, Draymond Green, well, he doesn't rumble into the lane like Zion Williamson. <laughs> yeah. Just like find a way to reference it every time, and you'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, yeah, you're a you're an excellent writer in your own right, and anybody oh, listening should uh, 
should check out his uh, his article that you did about a month ago. You referenced it briefly earlier on Tobias Harris and his fit in that in that offense. It was excellent. Uh, That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And uh, moving on now to uh, let's see. Did, um, you had Zion at twenty five. So now moving well, and and also we already know our each of our twenty sixes because I had yeah. Pascal and you had Al Horford. So yeah, I actually, uh, since I added CP three, I have Horford at twenty seven. Oh, um, but gotcha. I have, I have Beal at 26. Beal at 26, okay, and then Horford at 27. So we're moving right along here. Yeah. Um, at, uh, at my number 27, I have Marcus Gasol. Oh, that's a good call. I didn't quite put him on that list because I think he's some limit, more limited in some areas. But, gosh, was he good. And you can definitely make the argument that he had like a top 30 type impact on the Raptors in that playoff run. Right, and uh, I've I've heard a lot of people talking about that he's essentially sealed uh, Hall of Fame status with that uh, NBA championship, followed up by the uh, the World Club glory with Spain. Sure, did they win? Yes, they did. <laughs> well, I'm really not on top of that. All I know is we got seventh. Yeah, I I didn't follow it much mainly because it was on ESPN Plus, and I'm not a subscriber. Uh, but right, uh, right, right. definitely. The, Yes, uh, but uh, Marcus Saul ended up uh, ended up taking it for Spain, so winning back-to-back championships in the the 2019 year. Uh, so yeah, a great season for Marcus Saul, and yeah, he still brings so much to the table with his his stretch five ability, his uh, his positional uh, awareness on defense, and his passing. I, yeah, like when he's right and playing well, he's definitely in this range right like what more do you want from him especially since we saw without Kevin Durant the Warriors you don't have to worry about like guarding that Steph pull up to the same degree when they don't have like all this spacing and shooting everywhere um and that was the concern that I had going into that series for him um but yeah like I guess the only rationale for not having him around here is that I don't really trust his body does that make sense no, yeah, I mean, he's he's getting up there in age, and, uh, uh, yeah, I think he had uh, some injury issues in, what, his, his final season or second-to-last season with Memphis. Yeah, so, like, nothing about him really offends me, I guess, as a, as, as a, as a basketball observer. I just, I don't know how long, like, and it's, he's going to do it again, and I'm going to look silly, right? He's gonna, it's going to hold up. He's going to defy his slow body, and be a really good player again yeah and 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 another reason why i'm super optimistic about the raptors uh, exceeding that 46 win mark is i have three of their players in the top 27 it's a very it's a very good reason for optimism um so i'll go into my number 28 player because i'm excited to get this take off yes please uh, I, I guess it's not that much of a take but you know it's exciting it's exciting to think about this player being the top 28 player in the league and that's luka Doncic. nice Yep, I have him just a few slots lower at uh, at number 30. Yeah, yeah, and you expect the Mavericks to be a little bit better. Um, Chris Stapps returning from injury. Uh, the acquisition of Seth Curry, who I think is a great pairing with a wing initiator like Luka. You look at Seth as like a really excellent shooter who maybe is not the best ball handler but is a good secondary one. Uh, Maxi Kleber is returning. Dwight Powell's returning. Um, I just really like their squad. And I think that Luke is obviously going to be the best player. And uh, they could sniff for the playoffs. I don't know. It's a little tough in the West. I'd feel a little bit better if they were playing in the East. But he's going to 
slimmed down a little bit. He already has. He's going to become a little bit quicker with the ball. It's just going to be a better version, likely, of what we saw last year. Yeah, and uh, I, I talk a lot about the fact that young players sometimes don't go in the exact trajectory you would expect and just continually improve. You know, you saw that with, with Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum in year two take a little bit of a dip from their performance in their rookie seasons. Uh, but I, I just don't expect that from Doncic. You already stated that he's slimmed down a little bit. I think just getting in better shape is going to help him immensely. And then also the fact that he is, uh, you know, a savant as a passer, I think, uh, you know, um, gets rid of a lot of those concerns that you would have about a guy taking a dip in year two. Yeah, and then that just coupled with, like, the improved, uh, improved teammates. Like, they, they really... Especially with like the remember he played half the season alongside or almost half the season alongside Dennis Smith, and uh, that obviously wasn't the best fit alongside Luca, and they've really made a commitment to just optimizing his skill set. Yes, absolutely, and uh, yeah, Dallas is going to be fascinating to watch, and and as as we're talking, uh, you know, I I I don't know about you, but I do not have Porzingis in my top thirty, uh, but. I don't but now that we're, we're talking about it, I'm, I'm considering whether I should have, but he's definitely got to be in honorable mentions. He's kind of in that, like, Miles Turner range for me, where it's like he's clearly a very useful player. Um, I just, it's very difficult for me to know how much creation unto himself he'll have post-injury. Um, and while I do value kind of that stretch five mold, uh, I do like a little bit more playmaking and... That's why guys like El Horford were maybe a little bit higher. Yes, um, the uh, it's 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 interesting you mentioned Miles Turner because I had him uh, right on the borderline of being top thirty. Uh, Same. But uh, yeah, my my number twenty eight is Ben Simmons, and we already we already broke down uh, the the young Australian for the Sixers. So uh, let's move on now to to number twenty nine, and uh, I actually uh, have. Uh, another center that played for the U.S. national team, and that is Brooke Lopez. I love this so much. I don't have him in this range, but just yes. Good call, Garrett. Yeah, I mean, the guy is one of the best rim protectors in the league. He was the, a key reason, along with Giannis, of why Milwaukee was the, the number one team in terms of pr- protecting the rim and uh, opponents' field goal percentage at the rim, as well as limiting free throws. I think they were number one in terms of limiting attempts at the line. And then also, you know, the the three-point shooting, you know, shot, uh, I believe, 36 or 37% from three, was really good, had that excellent game one in the Eastern Conference Finals, and because the, the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks lost that series, it'll be forgotten, but he was really a, a key reason why they were able to get off to that one nothing lead. Uh, but, but yeah, his, uh, his stretch ability, he, he's just the perfect center for the modern NBA. It's interesting that you had him as the second best player on the Bucks, according to these rankings. Yes, uh, and uh, I know who you think is the second best player, and, uh, and I, I've had... I, I, I've softened up on, on, on like being really steadfast about Chris Middleton. Is he, is he in your top 30 or no? No. Okay, so he's not on mine either. And, and the big reason, I think we both had him right, right at uh, 30 when we did this list last. And uh, for me, uh, a big reason why he, he was even in that, uh, in that category was because of his postseason performance in 2018 where he just lit it up against the Boston Celtics in that seven-game loss. 
but but last year's postseason performance was uh, was was really lackluster. He's a guy who you're like, uh, wow, he's getting so much done in this like terrible Joe Prunty offense. Imagine once he gets to work with Budenholzer, how good he'll be. And then a lot of it was like, no, that's just the guy he is. He just takes a lot of mid rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the the other thing that's interesting, you know, again, I, I was considering Miles Turner in the similar range as Lopez, and I do think that if Miles Turner was playing for Coach Bud, that he would look in a lot in a lot of ways very similar to what Lopez looked like last year. I think people, yeah, definitely overlook Lopez's dynamism though, and like the post up, like it did come into play as a last resort. Um, pick, pick and roll passing. He, has some he even he even had some drives. He even had some drives from the three point line. Yeah, no, he, he really is incredible at basketball. He's like he's taken. It's it's such a weird evolution too. Like you're not going to see a guy who specializes in like the post game and then reinvents himself as a rim protector slash uh, shooter, but retains all that post skill and all that coordination. It's just like he's like some sort of weird Franken player, and I don't. It's not replicable. And he definitely, I, I don't know um, if I have him this high, uh, just because, like you said, maybe Miles Turner, maybe someone else can do a lot of the stuff that uh, he could do in Bud's offense. But, you know, it kind of goes back to my own point. Maybe I'm being hypocritical that, like, you still have to give the player credit who's doing the thing in the offense, um, even if you feel like it's pretty rec- replicable to an extent. And maybe that docks him a little bit, but it can't be, you can't just completely discount it, right? Um, one other person I wanted to talk about, because I uh, had his page up, I just want to get a preemptive apology for not putting Devin Booker on my top 30, um, just because <laughs> he was very he was very close. You're worried about the Suns mob coming uh, after I, you? They're, they're in my head, man. They're in my head. <laughs> and they, they really love Devin Booker. And I do too. I just, like, there's so many good players around this range, and I just need to be convinced that the Suns are going to be a 30-plus win team and that he's going to be conducive in a way that makes sense um, to me for winning basketball games. I think too many people are like, think he can't do it. You know, there's I see a lot of people who are like, well, Devin Booker's an empty stats guy. He'll always be one. No, the Suns are just trash. Um, maybe there's a little bit of that in his game, but... We really, he hasn't gotten a chance, so how can you even say that? That being said, I, I still don't feel comfortable saying the opposite is true, that it's all just his teammates until I see kind of his team not screw him over every year. Yeah, so did we get through all of your 30? I have two more, actually. Okay. Uh, that was 28 for Luca. Yeah, so um, I already mentioned all of mine, though. So I had Ben Simmons at 28, Brooke Lopez at 29, and Luka Doncic at 30. So let's, right. uh, let's finish off your list, Scott. All right, and this one I don't feel great about, but I feel like I have to, like, you know, at least get, put him here as a placeholder until he disappoints me again, and that's Russell Westbrook. Okay. It, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. I'll yeah. He's, he's, in my, uh, he's in my honorable mention, so yeah. he was in consideration, and uh, I, I, there was a part of me that wanted us both to not have him in our top 30. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I couldn't do that for you. I just think that... Uh, you know, there is the whole thing, like, he's going to a ball-dominant player, but I, I, I think in the past we've seen that Westbrook has a way of making sure the ball goes into his hands a lot, so I think a lot of the production will be there in a similar way, especially in transition. Um, if he was back on the Thunder, maybe I'd have him a few spots up, but 
I don't know. I think he's going to try harder on defense. At least I'd hope. I don't. I don't really buy the whole like I'm going to be a super off ball player type of guy. I just don't think that's. I, I just. Bear, I think it's so hard to like actually be good at an off ball offense after doing what he did for so many years. Uh, and, and I'm kind of talking myself into the fact that maybe he's a little lower. It just feels like since so many people um, have him a little higher, it feels weird to have him that low. I'm definitely being a prisoner of consensus here, but yeah, Westbrook 29, why not? Nothing matters anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to give my argument for why he should be. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's interesting to me that the the idea that, you know, I think during his MVP year, he obviously was I didn't I thought James Harden was was the deserving MVP that year, but I thought he was top 3 for sure. And the the key reason for that was he was such a good floor raiser. You know, he he took what was an average team and brought them up to such a high level. Uh, but you know, I, I I seriously question whether the floor raising aspect of his game is really there anymore. I think um, I, I don't know. I don't have. I, I'm going to pull it up right here. But the the Thunder offense was not very good last year, even with Paul George. Um, so I, I'm questioning with his uh, with his volume and his usage, with his low efficiency, whether he is even really much of a floor raiser anymore. And and also, you know, that combined with the the bad defense makes him not a good floor raiser. And then that also the the concerns you had, whereas you know, stepping into a lesser role, you know, him being off ball, even if he even if he is committed to playing more defense, just his lack of shooting ability is going to make him a negative. Uh, you know, a negative threat on the offensive end. Teams are going to lay off him, clog the lane against Harden, and force him to knock down shots, and he just hasn't shown that he's capable. All last year, I was like, I saw obviously the shooting numbers jumped off the page in a bad way, and I was like, Westbrook Westbrook has to be doing something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly he's making passes, he's causing a dent in the offense with his attacks, he's doing stuff, he's getting assists, etc. It's like, I didn't exactly know what he did <laughs> to the Thunder, but I'm like, it has to have be somehow, somehow helpful. But they Perhaps were, they, I just looked it up, they were yeah, 17th yeah. in offense last year, so he's not even, to me, a guy that can that is guaranteed to get your offense to league average. Yeah, and that's and that's surprising to hear, because like I always assumed it was something. I always assumed it was like me not knowing some finer point of basketball that was allowing Russell Westbrook to thrive or something like that. So, um, you can, let's look, let's take him off the list. Yes. And that means means Aldridge is back in the top 30. All right. (laughs) Well, that, yeah, I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about Aldridge, but that's just the best of both worlds right there. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. You know, I want to get invited on next year. And also (laughs) I kind of don't need to live in a world where I have to acknowledge that Westbrook's a top 30 player. And uh, now, now watch Westbrook just fits in seamlessly. The Rockets win sixty games in the championship, and we and, and I, I in particular for convincing you look like a fool. Well, I just got in an argument yesterday with like my friend who was like talking about how the Rockets are going to make it work, and like I was kind of playing devil's advocate, and I kind of agree with all the points I made, even though I was trying to push back a lot. Yeah, so is there anybody else on your honorable mentions you felt like... Uh, uh, we, we actually didn't get to 30 because 30 is now 29 now that Westbrook, Westbrook is off the, off the list. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm surprised you didn't pick this guy, honestly, because you seem to be very high on 
you know, kind of just solid big men. It's uh, it's it's none other than Nikola Vucevic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, from from a regular season perspective, he was he was excellent and certainly a top thirty player last year. My big concern, and, and maybe it was just a matter of the worst possible matchup going up against a guy as good on the uh, defending the block as Gasol, but uh, but yeah, the postseason performance brought up a lot of concerns for me and why he was a little bit lower. Yeah, he definitely is kind of uh, the big man version of a floor raiser um, in terms of just having the offense run through him. You can make the argument that like he doesn't scale to a winning team as well as um, Gasol or Lopez because shooting becomes more important. In that situation, defense becomes more important. So I can see why you had those guys ahead of him. But I, I, I do think that it was incredible how he kind of willed the Magic to the playoffs last year. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that he can score on the block and stretch it to three, he's a, uh, he's a great passer as well. Uh, that 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 Magic team really had no business uh, being in the playoffs. I didn't think, and and the fact that he was uh, the center for a team that that finished eight on eighth on defense, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for that as well. Oh, definitely, and I think also to Steve Clifford for just finding a way to incubate those slower-footed big men. Um, you know, they just have so many defensive weapons, especially now with Alfaruk Aminu. Aaron Gordon gets better at every year. Jonathan Isaac, if he can kind of make the trade-off worth it on offense, is one of the best defenders in the league at his position already, in my opinion. Um, so I expect them to kind of sniff the playoffs again. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, well. I mean, people were doing this even halfway through last season. They were like, oh, they're just waiting for them to tail off. And because of Vucevic, they never did. Yeah, I, I, I really like that pick. He was he was in my honorable mentions. I'll just mention a few other guys. Uh, C.J. McCollum, you know, having that enormous Game 7 in the Western Conference semifinals. You know, he's one of the better scorers in the league. He deserves consideration. De'Aaron Fox, you know, if he takes another leap like he did from years 1 to 2 to 2 to 3, he's going to be in this conversation. And then, uh, you know, we also talked about, uh, you said that if we if we expanded this out to top 40, Donovan Mitchell would uh, would also be in this conversation as well. And we already talked about Chris Middleton a little bit, and we talked not in the context of this, but about the context of my article about Tobias Harris. If he can kind of get in a role that's more comfortable for him, I do think that there were moments last year where you could argue he was a top 30 player, and to have that be over the course of one year would put him back in this conversation. And Trey Young. Trey Young, I think, if he just has a monstrous leap and picks up where he leaves off, could be on the cusp for me as well. Interesting, yeah. Trey Young is uh, is a is a really exciting player, and yeah, if he even if he just plays like he did post All Star break for the the length of the season, yeah, he'll be in this discussion. He'll he'll be one of the one of the better offensive point guards in the league, even though he's he's still got some lim- limitations on the defensive end. So uh, yeah, we uh, I successfully got Westbrook off your top thirty. So now when uh, when I uh, when I post this episode, I can have with the caption. Uh, did Westbrook make the list and uh, know in my head that uh, the answer is no? Yeah, and we also mentioned Devin Booker, um, Jason Tatum, maybe a year away in terms of Jaron Jackson. I, don't, I think that team's going to be awful. But, yeah, it'll be. that's what I always like to watch is these kind of year one to year two guys and year two to year three guys because that's when usually the, the, the biggest shift in skill comes in the NBA, and that's what the thing I'm going to be focused on most to start the season. Absolutely. Well, Scott, uh, we've we've been doing this for quite some time, so uh, just uh, at this point, I'll, I'll thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Garrett. I had a lot of fun. 
and I'll see you next year. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program, and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.